Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. It's Sunday. Welcome to the Second Tier Podcast. I'm Ryan Dilks and I'm joined by the football without fans to my football with fans. It's just Peach. Good afternoon. How's it going? It is great. It is great. It's been a different weekend, this one. Uh, this one. Yeah, yeah. We've actually bit, had bit some of football. football. Yeah. yeah, a bit of football. And, and we went out drinking, in inverted commas, on Friday night. Yeah, by doing a little Zoom party. On Friday yeah. night, we um, had a couple of our buddies, and well, everyone's been doing pub quizzes, haven't they? But I'll tell you yeah. what, I'm, I'm getting a bit tired of doing pub quizzes all the time. I've done yeah. so many. <laughs> quiz, quizzed out, quiz, quiz everywhere. Well, I've been doing two a week for the past, mm-hmm. however long we've been in lockdown, and I'm getting to the point now where I've, I've had enough. I, I enjoy a good quiz as much as the next quizzer, but I'm at that stage now where I've had enough. You had an eventful morning the day after the Zoom party, though, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. bit of a funny story. <laughs> might, might have been, might have been hangover induced, but uh, I, uh, I stood up too quickly off the sofa and came up the stairs and immediately passed out. <laughs> 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 yeah, I think uh, blood, the blood rushed to my head and uh, mix of alcohol and lack of water. <laughs> yeah, took its I don't toll think and I passed I've, out ever been so hungover that i've passed out the morning after but it's a first I love for it. me it's a first for me well there you go don't stand up too quickly after drinking right no. before we start <clears throat> ladies and gentlemen we have got a jam-packed show for you today as usual we have the 11s this week we're going to be talking about the best foreign players to grace the championship so you have that to look forward to we have squad goals we have the Craig Brass and pub quiz and we also have a bit of news for you actually a lot of news this week but before we get onto that Justin we have an announcement what is it um football is back obviously but that's not our announcement uh, we are unveiling a new website. We are, and a I'm incredibly website. excited about it. Tell us Absolutely. what's going to be on this site. Uh, obviously, all the listening platforms to where you can access this wonderful, wonderful podcast. And as well as that, we will be producing blog entries. Entries? It's not like a, it's like a teenage, <laughs> teenage way of saying it. Uh, we'll be producing blogs, um, basically just putting our thoughts out there into the world wide web as it yeah. may a few opinion pieces that kind of mm-hmm. thing isn't it yeah i think the podcast gives us a good opportunity to discuss things but we can't we wouldn't be able to do it in as, nearly as much detail as we probably could cover um in a written article no and it also 
We'll also be doing a few other things like analysis, maybe even a few top tens, that kind of thing as well. So make sure yeah. you keep an eye out for it. If you don't follow us on social media already, then the handle at the moment is at the second tier or <laughs> at second tier pod on Twitter. So if you want to keep up to date with everything that we're posting, then we'll post some of our articles or pieces on there so make sure you keep an eye out yeah. for them we, we we could call our blog as well um the craplatic it i don't even know how to respond to that <laughs> <laughs> okay let's move on then justin so there has been plenty going on this week with the news where do we even start let's talk about this one justin the espn is reporting the championship could potentially return to action before the premier league with the EFL close to finalising plans to restart the season on June the 6th, which is less than three weeks away. The Athletic, though, is claiming it's more likely to be the weekend afterwards. I mean, football back in just under a month's time. It's quite surreal to think that, really. Yeah, the mouth waters at the thought, but um, I don't know. It As weeks go on and time passes, I just become more and more on the sort of side where it's not going to come back and they're going to um, finish the season early, unfortunately. That's sort of where I'm heading uh, in a, as a mindset. I, I, I'm ever optimistic, but yeah. It's just, I was... I, sorry, I was thinking that <coughs> at one point the season would definitely return. This was pretty soon after lockdown started, but then as the week, weeks have gone on, I've been thinking to myself actually it might not and as it carried on I was, mm-hmm. I was getting more and more doubt in my mind about whether the season actually would continue I still thought it was pretty likely and but now it seems like we are heading towards football actually being back mm-hmm. on our laps again and it's something to be excited about considering everything that's going on at the moment no no definitely and I think Whatever avenue you go down, you're going to face some sort of opposition. You know, you, when you, if you go down football's coming back route, there are people saying, "Is it safe yet?" You know, it's too dangerous at this point. Um, if you void the season completely, everyone's unhappy. If you base it on a PPG, at, go down that route, points per game, then you're going to get people say, "Oh, but we should play out the season, see how it goes." You know, we're lower than we should be, etc you're going to face opposition wherever you go but as you say the thought of football coming back generally does does excite me especially after this weekend yeah we'll talk about the opposition in just a sec because there's been quite a few people piping up uh, this week um but just going back to what you were saying about safety that's been one thing in particular that a lot of players have mentioned this week but it seems like from my perspective that if everyone's tested And when I say everyone, I mean everyone, not just players, staff. I'm talking people who, anyone who's in the vicinity of where these games are going to be played. Then safety shouldn't be that much of an issue, really, should it? No, it it shouldn't be. But then you get people, they're going to go out to supermarkets. They're going to go to the shop to get milk. You're forever exposed to the virus, Yeah, whatever you do, unless you're, you're... um, quarantined in a hotel, which was all which was also discussed, but people aren't a fan of the idea. Unless you're quarantined in a specific hotel or building, and you're just in and out of that building, going to football, and that's all you're doing, then you're going to be more secure. But you know, everyday life, 
Uh, and as well as that, you've got people. You got you got some of the players breaking the, um, mm. breaking the rules as well. Going out to to parties as we've seen this week with some players. Yeah, um, but the thing so, is, it, yeah. they're on about testing <clears throat> players twice a week, which, as we've spoken about before, looks like how often we're going to see games. We're going to see games at the weekend and then during the week as well. Um, but if you're testing players twice a week before a game, then they should be all right, really, shouldn't they? Well, yeah, they, they should be. But then there's that moral standpoint <laughs> where you're testing footballers twice a week, but some NHS staff aren't even getting tested. Yeah. Well, they so are. It, well, the government is trying to step up testing to. Well, I think they have passed a hundred thousand tests a day now by that point. But um, the Premier League and the EFL have said that they will be paying for these tests, so it's not coming out of the taxpayers' pocket. But that's a deeper point. Let's move on, Justin. The government says it is opening the door for the return of professional football next month after a meeting with the FA, Premier League and EFL on Thursday. Culture Secretary Oliver Dowden added that plans for the sport to resume should include widening access for fans to view live coverage, which I suppose kind of goes without saying, really, doesn't it? Um, yeah. Well, I mean, if we're going to have numerous games on each day, then it's going to be very interesting to see how that works. Mm. Uh, the EFL says it has told clubs not to return to training until May 25th at the latest, which is only the week after the next one, isn't it? Which is, yeah. again, seems very soon. But going back to what we were saying at the start, if the season were to start on June the 6th, May the 25th seems like a very late time to start training again, doesn't it? Yeah, and... You you saw you saw with the Bundesliga this weekend that some teams looked incredibly rusty. Yes, and with such a long period of time off, obviously there's all the fitness work that they do, but they also have teams also have five or six games pre-season to get up to speed. So I'd expect the first few games to be uh, pedestrian. Yeah, maybe. but they have introduced the five sub rule, haven't they, to try and get around the fitness issues. But as you mentioned, there's definitely going to be some. In, you know, fatigue in these players, yeah. especially yeah. when they've got such a rough schedule coming up if they're going to have to play two games a week. There is still opposition to the season restarting. The Daily Mail is reporting that a gang of five championship clubs are against it happening. What, tele- why is it described as a gang? For some reason, the Daily Mail have <laughs> decided to call these clubs the Gang of Five. What? They're I, I, like at the doors of the AFL with clubs and stuff <laughs> ready to roll. on. <laughs> oh my God. The oh. Telegraph says four of these clubs are Cardiff, Huddersfield, Hull and Sheffield Wednesday. Uh, three Yorkshire teams, almost like one of their biggest rivals might be getting promoted. Um, are you surprised <laughs> that those four clubs in particular are opposing the season restarting? Um, Sorry, I'll... What Cardiff, Cardiff Huddersfield, Hull and Chef Wednesday. Hull, I can kind of understand because they're just hovering above the relegation zone. Huddersfield, Chef Wednesday, they were in relegation trouble. Actually, Chef Wednesday probably weren't. They were, looked like <coughs> if they had the points deduction, they might have been. But they don't seem to be in any danger of getting relegated. Cardiff, very much mid-table and maybe with an outside chance of the playoffs. But... Those four I mean, teams, do they surprise you? It's hard. It's hard to say. It's not. It's not necessarily going to be motivated by football, is it? You know, they might. They might have genuine. They will have genuine concerns over player safety, mm. and you know, safety of staff, etc. Um, 
so it's really it's really hard to pinpoint. I'm surprised that more clubs aren't opposed. But then again, it's it financially majority of that league is is completely naffed. So an end to the season is 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 in everyone's eyes. Obviously, playing out the season is going to help that. Mm. Norwich Sporting Director Stuart Webber says promotion to the Premier League should be scrapped if the Championship season can't be finished. He said, what we could not accept is a situation where we play all our games and get relegated, but the Championship can't play and they automatically promote some teams who haven't finished the season. What do you make of that, Justin? It's interesting. I I agree to an extent. He is right. How can they finish their season but and still get relegated, but we finish now and allow teams that are in the positions to go up? It, it does seem unfair to the rest of the the, the teams in our division but then to caveat that we've now got nine games left haven't we yes in the championship season so we've technically played more games than no it's 38 games in the Premier League isn't it 38 games in the Premier League 46 championship <clears throat> so you know we, we're one game short of matching their season anyway so I don't think that is a massive issue in that sense I don't it's because Glenn, Glenn Morris piped up as well and said that teams shouldn't deserve to go up if um, the season's finished early. But then again, as I've said, we've still played almost the amount of same amount of games as the Premier League, so there's a, there's a degree of fairness and unfairness there. But the argument um, would be that that's not finishing our season. That that is true, but we're in a completely different world financially to the Premier League. So where where does that fairness start and stop in terms of financial firepower compared to the amount of games we have left. I'll tell you what, what Stuart Webber said did wind me up a bit because if Norwich get relegated, I don't see how they have the right to say who replaces them, really. Norwich deserve to go down because they might play nice football, but they're terrible when it comes to the actual winning games side of thing. Mm-hmm. They they know that if the season <clears throat> continued in normal circumstances, then they would have gone down. But now they're seeing a chance to cling on to a place in the Premier League by being as obstructive as possible. And it just seems disgraceful, really. It makes them look greedy and desperate to just hold on to the place in the Premier League. And... I'd say Stuart Webber and Norwich need to accept that they failed in the Premier League and but, move out of the way and give teams like Leeds and West Brom a chance. Because but what about the other two teams? The other two teams is, is still up in the air. I, I can have a bit more sympathy for them, but Norwich I don't have any sympathy for because they're pretty much down at this point, aren't they? Hmm. That's why I, I don't see how they think they have a say over who replaces them when they are next to relegated already but there you go Uh, let's move on the Telegraph claims Charlton boss Lee Bowyer clashed with Howard Wilkinson who's head of the League Managers Association this week during a conference call where they were talking about the season ending on a points per game basis if it can't be continued Wilkinson was reportedly saying statistics show the table often doesn't change that much in the final nine games of the season. However, if points per game were to happen, then Charlton will be relegated. And speaking to the BBC, Bowyer said that would be scandalous because they only fell into bottom three for the first time this season after the final game before lockdown. So would it be unfair, do you think, if Charlton were to be relegated? (laughs) 
Um, I don't think so, no. Because how many games have they won in the last since October? Um, October to February, how many or, or to the first week of March? How many games did they win? Minimal. Um, so I don't think it would be unfair. People, like points per game is is fair is a fair way of doing it to an extent. And Lebo does have a point that they only just fell into the relegation zone. But when you compare that to them being in the top six at the start of September, mid September, towards the end of September, and they've barely picked up a run of form. Does he have a leg to stand on? Well, I asked our listeners on Twitter and the main gist of the responses that we got were it would be harsh, but they're in the bottom three for a reason at the end of the day. Exactly. That, that's it, isn't it? Yeah. You're there for a reason. I suppose the argument from Charlton fans would be that Hull were dropping like a stone in the second half of the season. I think they only picked up, what, two points since New Year's Day. <clears throat> so that's the argument Charlton fans would make, but... Points per game, if it's got to be done that's and the season can't be finished, then points per game is the only way you can really decide, isn't it? Yeah, unless you end it now as it is, but Tottenham still go down. So, well, There you go. Uh, over in Germany, we saw the Bundesliga return, as we say, perhaps giving us an insight into what the Championship could look like in a month's time. Mm-hmm. What were your thoughts, Justin? Yeah, it's, it's quite strange because everyone was sat apart on the benches, um, except they, I don't know what the, circuit, well, I don't know what they do in the change rooms, but they share a change room together. Yeah, that, did, that didn't make sense to me at all. <clears throat> yeah, because all the players have been they, they've been tested beforehand, and then they go mm-hmm. onto the pitch where they're more than likely to come into contact with another player. Well, there, there are obviously more examples of it, but there was a a bit in the Hertha Berlin game against Hoffenheim where the um, attacker uh, does the guy on the byline and the. The, the defender is literally like lying on top of him um, and then he squeezes through and scores. Um, there's a lot of contact there. Yeah, so, definitely not social distancing in that example. No, um, there's yeah a lot of double standards in some, some areas, but I guess <laughs> if you show that you're making an effort, then <laughs> it reassures people, I think. I don't know. It might be like sending out a message that social distancing should still be followed. I don't know. It's all very odd. But I uh, go back to what I was saying at the start of the episode. If the stadium is like a only people are allowed there if you tested negative for coronavirus soon, then that should all work, shouldn't it? Really? And Why? that's not including fans, you just mean Not including staff fans. No, yeah, no, yeah. no, no, no. Yeah, that's what I mean. So every, everyone who's at the ground must have tested <clears throat> negative for coronavirus. That's the only way I can see it really working. Yeah, um, you've got to treat it like an injury, haven't you, really? Well, yeah, pretty much. Um, without the fans, what did you make of the lack of atmosphere? Uh, it didn't really bother me. No. I saw I, loads I, yeah, of people I... on Twitter kicking off about it, but I, I mean, it shows how important a role fans play in a match but ultimately it's got to be done and it's not the end of the world is it everything has changed right i now have to queue to get into the supermarket <laughs> for example um they don't throw things at me in aldi anymore they slide him nicely everything has changed so coping without fans in the stadium um while watching football is minimal so I'm looking forward to players swearing their heads off during matches and the microphones picking up every single word because that's going to be really interesting to see what happens 
when the commentators are apologising every five seconds. Oh, they'll just put over the fake fan noise again, won't they? So. <laughs> yeah, that's going to work. <laughs> uh, final point, goal music. They're still doing it. Yeah. Is it, is it really needed when there's no fans there? I mean, no, it, I, I, don't, I don't think it's needed anyway, but it just well, seems a bit pointless. I, I've, I've, I like goal music, I think, yeah. You're so if, with, with or without fans, it's fine. Fair enough. Let's do a bit of transfer news, Justin. Just a couple of bits. Sky Sports claim QPR have rejected a three million pound bid for Bright Say Samuel from Belgian side Club Brugger. He's only got a year left on his deal and has also been linked with Norwich and West Ham. I think it's Club Bruges. No, actually, it's not. It's a common misconception. Okay, well. We'll leave that there. We'll leave um, that there. And finally, Marek Rodak has extended his contract with Fulham until the summer of 2024. Nice bit of news because he's, he's deserved it really, hasn't he? Oh yeah, definitely, definitely. He's been very good this season. Lovely. Let's go on to the 11s, Justin. This is the part of the show where me and Justin put together an 11 of players from a certain subject. This week, that subject is we're picking the best foreign players to grace the championship. A few rules with this one. When we say foreign... We mean not from the British Isles. So no Irish players, otherwise this would be a hell of a lot easier. Uh, We're basing it on their time in the Championship. Not someone like Edgar Davids or Wayne Rooney, for example, who is a legend, but it's it's about what they did in the second tier. And also we're not including players who were born in the UK, but then represented another country like Wes Morgan for Jamaica, for example. (laughs) you're furious because you did have Rice Malkin in your team initially right who have you got in goal Uh, Julian Spironi I thought you might pick him I've gone with Casper Schmeichel Mm. I I was um, was deliberating yeah Yeah. either or is acceptable I thought Casper Schmeichel might have been born in England initially but he he actually was born in Denmark Um, I I think he was brought up in England because obviously his dad played here but um, yeah I've gone with Casper Schmeichel either way and I think that's a pretty obvious choice, really, because obviously we all know what he's gone on to uh, accomplish in his career. But when he was in mm-hmm. the championship, a quality keeper, wasn't he? No, yeah, definitely. He's 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 got everything a keeper needs. Um, and obviously, he was, he was part of that Leicester side that won promotion, uh, absolutely stomped to promotion. Um, so yeah, it's, it, it, there, there, there were two obvious ones for me. There's Cashbridge, Michael, and Speroni. Yeah, tell us why he picked Speroni. Well, the the man is he oozes consistency. Two hundred seventy eight championship appearances for one team is ridiculous, especially I'd say this day and age, but it was ten years ago. Um, he won four Player of the Year awards at Palace, which just shows you how consistency was. Consistency four he was. is a lot. Yeah, exactly. Not many players <laughs> can say they picked up four Player of the Season awards. Yeah, exactly. And he only missed seven games in six years. Uh, he's part of the furniture at Palace. Literally, yeah. Um, and he was at Palace during the year. Not where literally. They were... <laughs> 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 he might be now. Um, I, yeah, have this, he... I have this image of Palace moving and putting like all the sofas and tables and Julian Speroni in the back of a of a van. <laughs> moving somewhere <laughs> just lifting him in yeah he was he was obviously he was at Palace during the years they had a lot of financial trouble as well yeah and he stayed there throughout and he uh was part of the team that went up he I think he played in the FA Cup final uh, against Manchester United so he is Mr Palace yeah he's a true servant what formation are you gone with 
Uh, I've gone with uh, three four three or three four one two. I've gone for three four three as well. Look at that. M- yeah. I think mine's much, much more attacking than yours is though. Um, anyway. Who have you got at centre back? <clears throat> uh, screw you! I went with Wes Morgan. <laughs> oh, you cheat! He's born <laughs> in Nottingham. Yeah, it's it hard not to pick him because he's probably one of the best centre backs to play in the Championship. And he thirty caps for Jamaica. It's not like he's made three caps. I'm not denying that, but that's still <clears throat> cheating. You should be ashamed of yourself. I'm I'm not because I've got some pretty obscure players that I've found. Go on. Who are, you, who are your other centre backs? <clears throat> Yul Mawaini. And Ivar Ingmarsson. Now, that's interesting. Tell me, first off, why you've gone with Yama Rennie. Uh, well, uh, it makes me jealous because as a Derby fan, he had his best years at Preston. He had one very good year in a championship uh, with Derby. Um, and he was quite an unassuming player. Like, he, he wasn't a big stocky defender like Wes Morgan, for example. Um, he was consistent, he was dominant, and he oozed class and obviously was part of the best events that we highlighted in the week on, on social um, for Preston um, he had a year out at Preston a Tories cruciate ligament so he missed the whole of 2006-2007 and he was there during their peak years in the championship where they were just narrowly missing out on, on promotion um, and as I say you have to be incredibly consistent um, to play to perform at that level uh, and I think you're more any fully deserves his place now tell me why you picked Ingham Arson uh yeah, a name that probably went under the radar, but a very, very good defender. And he was part of that Reading side that uh, that broke records. Um, and he didn't miss a game in that season. Uh, he was also part of the Wolves side that went up in the playoffs in 2003. Worth noting. Uh, a quality player, quite easily a Reading legend. He won Player of the Year in their first season back in the Premier League, in their first season in the Premier League, following that record-breaking promotion, which again, I think just highlights his quality in the amount of appearances he made for running in the championship is is incredible. Yeah, you've gone with quite a hipster couple <clears> of <throat> selections there with Maweni and uh, Ingham Arson, but I'll let you have it. I've gone for a pretty solid back three. I'm quite happy with this. I've got, well, first off, I've got Bruno, who I think you've got at wing back, am I right? Yeah, because he's a wing back. He's more of a, he's kind of just a traditional fullback as opposed to a wing back. I've I've kind of got him in the Aspilicueta centre back. Okay, role yeah, he did of. he did play centre half a few times for Brighton. I do remember that. But he was a quality player, wasn't he? Twice in the Championship, PFA Team of the Year with yeah. Brighton, 186 mm. Championship appearances with them. He was Mister Consistent <clears throat> for uh, the Albion, wasn't he? Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. I didn't realise he was there for as long as he was. As oh well. yeah, took me by surprise. And what a beard! What a beard. He, he stood out, didn't he, on the pitch with his big, bold head and his, uh, his massive beard. He, he didn't... He, uh, quite a slight player for a... You know, he, he's, he was quite slim, didn't look like um, like he'd cut it in a championship, but he, he did, obviously. He was quite easily one of the best right-backs in the league for a couple of years, so yeah. that's it, how good he was. He was incredibly solid. Incredibly solid. My other centre-back is also Spanish. It's Daniel Ayala. Had spells with champions in the, in the championship with Hull, Derby and Forest, but I'm talking about Middlesbrough Ayala <laughs> because he has been a great servant for Borough over the years. And you could argue, really, that the season he got promoted with them was the best season a defender's had in the championship because Borough was so solid and he was an absolute rock at the middle of that Middlesbrough defence. And in a way, he's a bit underrated as well because mm. he's... 
he doesn't get the credit he deserves for how good he was during those first few seasons with Borough. And it looks like he might now finally be leaving um, when everything gets sorted out because he has yeah. been linked with a move away from Riverside. But quality player in TIR. No, definitely. He's, again, he was one that I considered putting in there. Um, and he was he was a key cog in that the, the cranky is. Um, and, and a threat from set pieces as well. He scores goals, um, which is incredibly useful for a, for a centre-half. Mm. And my other centre-back is also still playing in the Championship. It's Pontus Janssen. It's a bit of an injustice, really, that he's yet to play in the Premier League because he is so good. He in the every season that he's been in the Championship, he's been one of the best centre backs mm-hmm. consistently. He has stood out. It's quite unbelievable, really. And when you consider he's been here since 2016, you think about it. He's probably got a shout for being one of the best centre backs the Championship's seen now because of how long he has been here. Yeah, if, you know, he's seen, he had three. He had two. He had two very good years at Leeds. Um, one good year, and then obviously he's been he's been very impressive for Brentford this season. You'd hope to see him in the Premier League um, because he's got that ability to to perform. He's an international standard centre half, which is a rare thing to have in the Championship, Definitely. unless you're Welsh or Irish. But he plays <laughs> for Sweden, and they go to they regularly go to um, to tournaments. Might yeah, exactly. may have just pissed off some people there, but. <laughs> <laughs> So, right wing back, you've got uh, Bruno. We've established that already. My, I say wing back, he's more of a winger. It's Anthony Nokiot. As I say, it's a very attacking team, this I've got. Mm -hmm. Um, I feel like his reputation has been slightly tarnished over the years because he struggled to make that jump to the Premier League Mm -hmm. and then he's not had the best of seasons with Fulham. But when you look back at his time with Leicester and Brighton in the Championship, easily one of the best players the Championship's ever seen. Well, he won Championship Player of the Year, didn't he, for Brighton? Yeah, in the season they got promoted. Yeah, and he, he was very good in that Leicester side. Um, so it, it, not not half bad pick. He, I think he's not been that good this season, which I think has made me think, hmm, oh, I might avoid him. Yeah, well, I'd say the reason he's not been as good this season is something we've said plenty of times. We think it's more down to Scott Parker's tactics because Nokia's not playing the game that he's used to where he's, ha- he's having to come a bit deeper <clears throat> to get more of the ball. But if we focus just on his mm-hmm. Leicester and Brighton years, the, the, the Brighton season in particular, where you mentioned where he got played at the season, 15 goals, he was untouchable really, wasn't he? Yeah. And he was very impressive in the seasons before that was the best season he's had in his career by quite a distance. Let's go to the two centre mids then, Justin. Oh, my left wing back. Hang on, no, we're going back to the wing back afterwards. You, we're you're moving across, across. Okay. Yeah. Okay. yeah. So who are your two centre mids? Uh, I've got Aaron Gunnison and Ruben Neves. See, I've got Ruben Neves. My other centre mid is Pablo Hernandez. Interesting. Okay. So let's talk about Neves first. Why yeah. have you picked him? I mean, as... He should never have played in the championship. Let's be. Honest. Oh no, no. As as far as players go, for me, in terms of ability, at the time that he was playing, so you know he was still young, still is young. He was, he was still. Young. He's not like a Wayne Rooney who's come in and played in the championship. You see, you know he's got that ability. But at the time that he was playing in the championship, he has to be one of the best. Oh yeah, definitely. His 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 technique is incredible. His ability to pass through the lines is one of the best I've seen in the championship. And as I've said, we've seen some good players come down and play in the championship. 
Um, and obviously some of the goals he scored, the, the free kick against Cardiff, the the volley against Derby, just to name a couple. Yeah, uh, uh, unbelievable player. Shouldn't shouldn't have been anywhere near the championship. Not to disrespect the championship. Yeah, but, but you called him. Sorry, you called him world class last week, didn't you? That's talking yeah. about him now. At the time, he probably was a top six player playing in the championship. It was a bit yeah. unfair, really, that play that you know average championship players were having to come up against someone as good as Ruben Neves because mm. he as we've gone on to see, is more than Premier League quality. He's absolutely class. Mm-hmm. And he, yeah, was, he was the key cog in that Wolves side that absolutely smashed promotion. Uh, why have you picked Gunnison? I, th- I think he's an extremely underrated player in the Championship. He's won promotion twice. Um, and he, he, it was, he, he was a mainstay in those two midfields for Cardiff. Um, that they, they went, when they went up, he's, he's a functional ball-winning midfielder, and obviously we talk about playmakers and attackers a hell of a lot. That sometimes these players that do the dirty work, obviously we love Jake Livermore. You know, you're a big fan of Kevin Stewart. So these players that do the dirty work and 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 help a midfield really, really get going, they don't get enough of a shout. So I wanted to put him in here, and as I said, you'll struggle to find a more consistent midfielder at this level. Yeah, and a um, massive, a really good servant for Cardiff over the years as well. Yeah, it? absolutely. And it, it, you also forget about his time at Coventry, um, which again he was part, he was part of a mid-table side at Coventry, and, and you know shouldn't underestimate. He was part of a very good side then. They had the likes of Kieran Westwood, Richard Keogh, and Clive Platt. <laughs> <laughs> Can't forget Clive Platt. Exactly. Uh, Pablo Hernandez. Not much we can really say that we haven't said um, <clears throat> since he's come. A quality player, and still is a quality player who just keeps getting better and better. Let's go to <coughs> left wing, Justin. Who is your left wing back? He's an actual defender. Um, it's, it's it's the one and only Angel Rangel. See, he is an actual defender, but technically not a left back. Hmm. For me, right backs can play left back, but left backs can't play right back. So I'll put him in at left back, just Fair. because finding left backs... It's incredibly hard when we do these 11s because for some reason they don't stay around in the Championship for long enough. No. Why have you picked Rangel? Um, he had three very good years in Championship with Swansea and was part of that Brendan Rodgers side that won promotion in 2010-2011. He was as good as they got as a defender and he was very functional going forward. Um, and obviously in that style, in that system, the full-backs are incredibly important with how high they got up the pitch and I think that sort of gave birth to this new wave of teams trying to play football, getting high fullbacks up the pitch, getting fullbacks high up the pitch, I should say. Um, and he, throughout their period of success, he's been there, which again is is is, a, is a, says a lot about his quality and his consistency because they spent a lot of years in the Premier League and he was, he was, he was there. And obviously down at QPR, still doing a good job. Absolutely. My left winger is a Delta Rapt. See, I don't expect him to track back much in this formation, but <laughs> there you go. We've gone with it anyway. Uh, Trapped, again, uh, we've spoke about him at length on many an occasion, and I, there isn't much more that we can add that really sums up uh, how good a player he was. <laughs> he had probably the best individual season anyone has ever had in the championship when he was untouchable. Uh, and, yeah, there's not much you can really say, is there? No, good a good player, Cap- captain of QPR. Even though he wasn't really captain, I think he just had the armband. 
Um, but yeah, goals, assists, dribbling, his passing. He had everything in his locker. Yeah, spoiler alert. Back. Spoiler alert. You haven't picked her out. No. Why? Because there's going to be a few eyebrows raised at that decision, <laughs> Justin, and a think... couple of irate QPR fans, I imagine, as well. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised. But I was, just, I, was look, I was looking through and I was trying to pick players who have had a bit of longevity. And I know I've, I've picked two players who have had only one season in the, the Championship, but they've also gone on to become incredibly good players further down the line. Um, Adult Rapt has never really lived up to that season and I, I don't want to I don't want to say it was a one season wonder because the season he had on loan before that at QPR was still a very good season but he just hasn't pushed on as well as anyone would have thought after that year um, so I just wanted to pick players as I say that had a bit of longevity in their playing days in the championship and beyond okay I think a few people might be confused by your reasoning but We'll, uh, we'll give you the benefit of the doubt on this occasion, <laughs> Justin. A couple of honourable mentions, because I actually found quite a few left-wingers yeah. who maybe mm-hmm. served a, a shout in this. Uh, Bakary Sacco? Yeah, I was, I was going to pick Bakary Sacco, but then I thought, oh, he went down, he got relegated from the Championship, so it's quite hard to pick a guy who was relegated. But then again, he was he was outstanding for Wolves yeah. um, for, for two good years. Yannick Balassi and Said Benrahma were the other two wingers. Side Ben Rama, I think, genuinely could be when we when we do something similar in a few years' time or something like that. <laughs> I, I think he would look back on him and say, "Yeah, he was one of the best wingers the championship has seen because he's untouchable at times, isn't he?" Uh, let's yeah. go up front, Justin. How about you reel off all three of your strikers and we'll go through them one by one because I think we've got a few who are the same here. Interesting. Uh, so first one is uh, Matai Vidra. Mm-hmm. Next one is Chris Wood. Mm-hmm. Final one is Diago Yotta. Oh, we were so close to having three out of three. I've gone with Vidra, Wood, and Mitrovic. So we'll talk. We'll talk about Vidra first. Why have you picked him? Again, I think he's a. I've, I've, as I said before, I think I've tried to pick players that might have gone under the radar a bit. And I think Vidra is one of those that is perhaps a bit underrated by some because he did have a couple of seasons where. I think well, he had that loan spell at Reading where he wasn't very good, and obviously he had a loan spell at West Brom when in the Premier League, and he you know, didn't quite live up to the hype. Um, but his first season in the Championship, he hit twenty for Watford. I remember a goal against Borough. I don't think I've seen a counter attack so quick. He was just ridiculous, and obviously I think he just put it into an empty net. And there was a goal that he actually scored for Watford against Derby, where Cross comes in from deep, and he takes it on a full volley with his left foot. Uh, it was just it's probably one of the best volleys I've seen live. Um, as I say, he scores all types of goals. He did it again a couple of seasons later for Watford, um, and then he settled at Derby, won the Golden Boot in Championship. So I think he deserves it. 187 games, he scored 65, which is a very good ratio. Very good return now. Uh, similar reasons, really. I don't think he gets enough recognition because he probably is one of the best strikers to play in the Championship, really, isn't he? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And he, he's not a traditional striker either. He sort of he plays like a number ten at times. Yeah. Which I think is, is uh, well, he did it. He did at Derby, especially. He, he plays like number ten at times, but he still manages a hell of a lot of goals. Yeah, Chris Wood. Why <laughs> have you gone with him? Really, again, quite an unassuming pick because I, I put Shaky Kuchi in and I took him out. Um, but what a player! I was just looking at the numbers. <laughs> he scored twenty three um, 
in 76 games while he was out on loan. That was before he turned 22. Yeah. Then he scored 41 in 83 for Leeds. And then um, he didn't do so well at Leicester. He did all right, but obviously he moved on to Leeds from Leicester. Um, a complete player, dominant in the air, good finisher. He scored some worldies as well. Went to the World Cup in 2010, which is interesting. Yeah, but New Zealand. Mm-hmm. That's it. Um, that I'm pretty much the same as well. He His record before moving to Leeds wasn't the most inspiring. But as you mentioned, he, he, he was still quite young at that point. But yeah. that season before he moved to Burnley was one of... It, it doesn't get enough credit, really, because it was an unbelievable season. 27 goals in 44 games for Leeds. He was... He, he, it's like a... It was just a, a ball, really, up front, wasn't he? Just smashing things out of the way and yeah. just yeah. putting it in the back of net all the time. A hard player to play against because he's, he's got a decent... He's not quickest, but he's got a decent yard of pace. He's he's, he's a pretty big guy um, and his right foot is an absolute hammer. Yeah. A, a very, very good centre-forward. Yeah, I've gone with Alexander Mitrovic and for me... Has he completed the season in the Championship yet? He has, because he had a season at Newcastle where he he did he, he did. played 25 games, but he only <laughs> scored four. And that doesn't fit my narrative, so we'll ignore that. But when we look back at Alexander Mitrovic, I think we'll be saying he is one of the best strikers, if not the best striker the Championship has seen. Because he is a Premier League level striker, maybe even a top half Premier League level striker, who's just playing in the Championship for some reason. When really he shouldn't be. His record with Fulham at this level is 35 goals in 51 games, <laughs> which is unreal. He, that's a that's a almost a playoff campaign, isn't it? Like a full season of playoff yeah. campaign. He's hit 35, which is unbelievable. Honestly, why why he's playing in the championship? I don't know. He's he's, he's so deadly. He's, he scores with one touch, which is again at this level in a championship is very very rare. Yeah, um, he scores with his first touch on many occasions, and ugh, I, yeah. I hate playing. I hate coming up against him. Yeah, he's too good for the championship. Should be in the Premier League, and probably will be back in the Premier League at some point mm-hmm. in the near future. Finally, Justin, why have you gone with Diogo Jota? Um, again, quite possibly one of the best players I've seen live in the championship. Um, should have been nowhere near the championship, um, and he's now showing that he's a European standard player by scoring goals in Europe for Wolves. Um, he's only been capped twice for Portugal, which is strange given the shit they've capped over the years. <laughs> for example, Ada scored the winner in the Euro final, but he <laughs> scored one goal for Swansea all season when he was on loan there. Um, anyway, uh, he scored 17 goals in 44 games for that Wolves team, and they didn't really have a functional centre-forward either. Um, he played sort of out wide, drifted out mm-hmm. wide, he can dribble, he can finish. As I said, he can play out wide. And because of Neves and how good Wolves were, you probably forget how good Diego Jota was that season as well. Very, very good player. Let's go into squad goals, Justin. This is the part of the show where me and Justin look back at a classic championship squad. Justin is picking a good squad this week. I'm picking a crap squad. Justin, who is the squad that you want to look back on with fondness? Burnley. Burnley, what season? 13-14. 13-14. Now, the 15-16 side won the league, didn't they? Yes. So, obviously, a reason why I didn't go for them, um, because the reason why is, on paper, they shouldn't have been anywhere near promotion. Simple as that. 
Tell me more. They sold Charlie Austin to QPR for four million pounds. You said that's a bargain. Yeah. For QPR, yeah, it's an absolute travesty that a player of Charlie Austin's quality in the championship only sold for four million pounds. When Derby signed Akechianya, for example, for four million pounds. Um <clears throat> so uh, yeah, as I say, you get to that point now. Who's gonna score the goals for Burnley that season? The highest so two strikes on the books then, Danny Ing, Sam Vokes. The highest Sam Vokes scored in his career at that point was twelve, and that was in League One for Bournemouth five seasons earlier. Danny Ings hits uh, seven for Bournemouth three years earlier. Not great. Um they didn't spend any money. Everyone was bought on a free, including Tom Heaton. Uh, they only spent £1 million on Ashley Barnes in the January transfer window, and that's all they spent. And obviously, Ashley Barnes is now a very, very good striker for Burnley. Um, but it all went well. Don't know how. Um, Sam Bokes <laughs> and Danny Ings scored 20 and 21, um, be- well, individually. Um, possibly the most devastating partnership since uh, Jason Roberts and Nathan Lenton in the Championship. Uh, 10 players for Burnley made over 38 appearances that season. So a small squad that was barely changing. You have to admire the structure and organ- organisation of the side. They had the best defence in the league, uh, conceded just 37 all, se- all season. Uh, to play a 46 game with such a small squad to still be as good as it were is an achievement. Um, but they finished 11 points. Uh, yeah, they finished 11 points ahead of third place and were very unlucky um, that Leicester were just as good as they were. They used 23 players all season. Um, and obviously that's set them on the path that they are on now. They lost five games all season, which is actually one less than Leicester, who finished nine points out of them. He was manager. Who was manager? Was it Dyche? It was bloody Dyche. I didn't realise he's been there that long. Christ. Yeah. But I suppose that kind of sums up Sean Dyche as Burnley mm. manager, doesn't it? Solid, solid side, some astute signings, and yeah. just very difficult to beat. Yeah, well, they signed Scott Arfield on a free transfer from Huddersfield and he scored eight goals that season. Very underrated signing. Yeah. Massively. My crap side that I want to have a little chat about, Justin, is the Fulham side from the 2015-16 season. So, <laughs> when you think of Slavisa Jukanovic, he's probably Fulham's best manager since Roy Hodgson. Is that fair to say? Yeah. Yeah? I think so, yeah. Well, this shows that when he was first handed the reins at Craven Cottage... He was given one hell of a shit show. So he came in halfway through the season with the team hovering above the relegation zone. Kit Simons had been in charge and he was a bit out of his depth, really. Mm -hmm. Uh, To get straight to the point, Slavisa struggled to help them improve because they actually finished 20th in the season. And in a way, they were quite lucky that the three teams who got relegated, Charlton, MK Dons and Bolton, were absolutely hopeless. Because otherwise, Fulham would have been in a bit of trouble if they had three better teams uh, below them. Scoring goals was not a problem. They were helped by having the deadly duo of Ross McCormack and Moussa Dembele. Uh, They scored 36 between them that season. In fact, despite finishing 20th, Fulham scored more than Middlesbrough, who got automatically promoted (laughs) that season. The issue was, Justin, have a guess. They could defend. Yes, they conceded 79 goals this season. (laughs) Only five teams have conceded more and managed to stay up. One of those was the Fulham side from the season before. Mm -hmm. Uh, Four clean sheets all season. They conceded three or more goals on 10 occasions. But the weird thing is, this squad actually wasn't that bad. 
In fact, it had a bit of a skeleton of the squad which got promoted not long afterwards. So you had the likes of Tim Ream, Tom Kearney, Ryan Fredericks, Marcus Bettinelli, all those guys were there. And then you add in McCormack and Dembele, and then also the likes of Richard Stearman, Dan Byrne, and Jamie O'Hara. So not really a a bad squad on paper. It just seemed like they were in a bit of a transition phase. Um, And it shows that Slavisi Okanovic deserves more credit for the job he did, because Fulham went on to get to the playoffs the season afterwards, and then promoted the season after that. Yeah, I've got to say, Yukanovic is one of my favourite managers to manage in the Championship. Oh yeah, massively. When you th- the style of play that he goes with as well. I mean, yeah. he, he has been accused of being a bit too stubborn with that style of play at times, but at the end of the day, when it works, it's fantastic to watch, isn't it? Absolutely. Right, Craig Bryson pub quiz time. It's that part of the show where I'm going to give Justin six clues about a Championship legend. All Justin has to do is try and work out who it is. He's made a minimum of 200 championship appearances and will have played relatively recently. So, your first clue, Justin, is this. I've made 318 championship appearances, scoring 75 goals. That is a midfielder. That is a midfielder. 318 championship appearances. Is it Jim Jilton? It's not Jim Magilton, but that is a solid guess if ever I've heard one. I've played for 10 different clubs, including Southampton, Forest and Sheffield Wednesday. David Prutton. It's not David Prutton. (laughs) He's played for all of them. I've been managed by Harry Redknapp, Mick McCarthy and Gary Megson. (laughs) Your face. If I had to describe it right now, it would be saying something like, oh, you bugger. Now, I think... Uh, was he married... What? Was he married? Was he, <laughs> was he managed... Is he married? Um, Might be. Is, is he managed... Was he managed by Harry Redknapp in the Championship? Mm, I don't think so. I don't think Harry Redknapp managed in the mm. Championship, did he, with Southampton? Yeah, he spent like a couple of months there. Maybe he did then. I've been watching a lot of Premier League years lately, so I know that is a fact. Um, <laughs> oh God, that's that's it's difficult now because ten Championship clubs, and you're only giving me three managers. Not ten Championship clubs. I said ten different clubs. Ah, you just come back. Um, Gary Megson. He had a spell. Oh, it's West Brom. Is it Andy Johnson? It's not Andy Johnson. Despite being born in Nottingham. I've got 12 caps for Ireland. <laughs> tell, me, tell, talk me through your uh, thought process at the moment. Or at least say something, because dead air is not good for a, a podcast. So the, mind's, the mind's ticking. I, I want to I say Andy Reid. It's not Andy Reid. Um, I, I think he, he's legitimately Irish. Um, not born in Nottingham. He might um, be born in Nottingham. No, I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure he's Irish. Anyway, Leicester were interested in signing me the season before they won the Premier League, but my club at the time were asking for too much money. You're giving me absolutely nothing with these clues. See, I thought you might get that. I think that's one of those things where you hear it and you either know it or you don't. I would have got that from that. Asking too much money. The season, they won, the season before they won the Premier League? Yes. 
So that's the season that they had that remarkable run yeah. toward the end of the season. They were in the Premier League and yeah. they got relegated. I I do vaguely remember this um, story and it's going to bother me now, but what's, what's my next clue? This is the last one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I hold the record for having the most shots on target in the Premier League without ever scoring. Oh, these clues are painful. Painful because they're bad or because they're tricky? They're very tricky clues, yeah. They're not giving anything away. It's played for 10 different clubs. Managers include Mick McCarthy, Harry Redknapp, and who was even Gary Megson. Yeah. So Gary Megson was at Bolton as well. Do you, want, do you want me to be a bit kinder to you? Um, he was under Harry Redknapp at Southampton. Megson was Chef Wednesday. Mick McCarthy was Ipswich. Wow. That's... <laughs> um, do you want another clue? I'm going to give you. Yeah. I'm going to give you a record amount of clues for the Craig Barson pub quiz. Still playing in the Premier League now. Oh God. On a regular I don't basis, know. I might add as well. Um, I honestly have no idea. Uh, Sheffield Wednesday, that's the one that's doing me, and obviously Ipswich. So he must have been at Ipswich when Leicester were going for him. Mm. Oh, is it David McGoldrick? Yes. Oh, I should have got that. The Nottingham, he was born in Nottingham because he played for Notts County. Yeah, I thought the last three you, you would have got, but... I, I didn't I, realise he played for ten clubs. No, I didn't realise he played for Southampton or Sheffield Wednesday. That completely passed me by. Yeah, but... he came through at Southampton. No, he came through at Notts County, I think, and then moved to Southampton not not long afterwards. Uh... But did, did you know about the the record for the most shots on target in the Premier League? I think so, because he hasn't scored for Sheffield United yet, has he? Not in the Premier League, no. But that's another thing I knew. Um, and if I got asked that, I would have uh, had it like that. So when, um, when, oh, when did he play in the Premier League then? Playing in the Premier League now, isn't he? And he's had that many shots on target, he's set the record. Yeah. <laughs> good, well, very good player, though, isn't he? I, yeah, I loved him, and obviously he's an absolute steal for um, Sheffield United. Yeah, he's, he's the kind of signing that you look back at and you think, I wish my club went in for him. Yeah, definitely. Although, yeah, he's, say, he's, he's, I've, I've always, whenever I've watched him play, he's got a distinct lack of pace. And I'm not sure he's the greatest goal scorer on earth, but when it comes to doing the rest of the stuff that you want from a striker, like, you know, linking up play, working hard, that kind of thing, he's very good at it. So well done, David McGoldrick. Right, this has been the Second Tier Podcast. Thank you for listening, everyone. As mentioned at the start of the episode, we have a new website. Well, keep an eye out on our Twitter for that, and uh, we'll keep you updated with everything that is going on second tier there as well this has been the second tier podcast i'm ryan dilks i'm justin peach thank you for listening